This Passover week, however, the people of Jerusalem had their eyes on a different lamb of sorts. In many respects, Jesus of Nazareth had become the favorite son of this desperate nation, a kind of chosen one to lead them out of their most recent bondage to Rome. Last night in the Garden of Gethsemane, a large gathering of men armed with clubs, spears, and swords were looking to arrest the famed teacher and prophet, Jesus of Nazareth. The guards beat him relentlessly with a whip that tore the flesh from his body. Then they pressed a crown of thorns down into his scalp. They pulled out his beard, struck him about the head and face with their fists, and then made him carry his own cross as they headed for the place of crucifixion. At one time hailed as the next king of Israel, Jesus, the famed teacher and miracle worker from Nazareth, was condemned to death by crucifixion yesterday by the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. I'm so glad you came out on Palm Sunday today. This is an exciting day. I'm, I'm so, so excited to be here for Palm Sunday and all that it signifies. Well, I'm Pastor Rick Spangler. I'm the Family Life Pastor. And I just want to say, you look at the Palm Sunday, you think palm branches, and I'm going to give you a chance to shout this out. On the count of three, what we're going to do is we're going to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna just meaning save us, save now is what we're going to do. So can we do that on three? Three Hosannas on the highest? Here we go, ready? One, two, three. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. You know, the excitement, the buzz that was going on that day. The only thing is, though, it's kind of a bittersweet moment because it was 33 years in the making. When you read through the Bible and you see miracles that happen that Jesus does, and there's times where you'll read, it'll say, go and tell no one. You're like, what? What? I'd be like, woohoo! His full purpose wasn't yet fully revealed yet. It wasn't time for that to be fully revealed. It's kind of like Jesus was doing these miracles, like, okay, don't put it on Facebook yet. (laughs) Don't tweet about it. Or uh, my Instagram said on private. Not yet. But if you're not familiar with the term in social media, when something goes viral, that means it's shared over and over and over and over and over. It snowballs to where millions of people end up seeing it, and it's said to go viral. So today, Jesus is going viral on Palm Sunday. And what's going on is there's no turning back. It's like it's out there now. It's like it's going down. <laughs> he came riding in, and we're going to look at everything that that story is beginning to say. And the first thing is, it's no mystery to Jesus that it was happening. It was foretold. It was a part of prophecy. In Revelation 13, 8, it says, The Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus knew this was the plan. He knew this is what was going to happen. And all of heaven knew. It was Jesus' job and mission and purpose. But you look in the garden, you know, when he was praying, it's a job. You ever have a job that you just maybe don't want to do? You ever have something on your list, you're like, ugh, I don't want to do that one. You know, we've all got some of those on our plate right now, don't we? I remember a time when I was in management and I had to go to the department and tell everyone in the department right before Christmas, there's going to be a layoff and you're all being laid off. I mean, 
I did not want to have anything to do with that. It wasn't my choice, but it was my job. But you, what, you face things that you got to do, and you're like, it's my job. I mean, if you look at Jesus and what he had coming up, he had some things ahead of him that were pretty daunting. He had a schedule to keep. He knew that some things had to happen. And if you look in this right now, we're not going to go through it all, but on the back of your notes is a, our Google calendar of all the, things that were Jesus, all the things that Jesus was facing. And we're going to go a little bit more in depth of that in a bit. But he had a schedule to keep. And it's not the schedule that we have sometimes. You ever had that schedule where it's like, oh man, I need to get home. I've got three episodes on my DVR, and I've got to finish binge watching season five of whatever. Or I've got to read that book, and I've got to, you know, not that kind of schedule. I mean, a serious schedule. I remember, I remember my son when he was like, I don't know, maybe five, six or so. He was a little bitty guy. But he was amazing at making those paracord bracelets. And he made them custom design, all shapes, sizes, and colors. And he had his own business called Paracaleb. And it was, it was pretty cool. I liked it. But he was busy with that. And he also had this big exercise ball. I remember coming home one day, and Carson, my youngest son, was like, hey, Caleb, when we get home, can we jump on the trampoline? And in all seriousness, this little bitty guy that's now a man size, this little bitty guy was like, no, I, I can't. I've got a business to run. <laughs> I've got a bouncy ball to bounce on. I mean, this was real. <laughs> it's all in perspective. Everyone says they're busy nowadays. I always want to challenge, you know, busy doing what? I mean, let's really look at, is it stuff that's really busy? That's but at this calendar... Jesus had some things before him that is a different kind of busy. So if you feel overwhelmed this week at what's on your slate, what's on your calendar, think about the things that Jesus knew was coming on Palm Sunday. Because there's no turning back. I mean, once he came in there riding on that donkey, it went viral. It went everywhere. It's like, because he said a lot when he did that. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, Undercover Boss. Anybody seen Undercover Boss, the show? It's where, if you're not familiar with it, it's where like a CEO of a company puts on a wig, and those wigs, oh my gosh, mustache, like, oh man, that's really good. I don't know if anyone's going to know who you are. <laughs> but they go into their own company, and they work at like an entry-level job, and start to kind of listen to what's going on in his own company in disguise, and then he works maybe in sales in different offices, and he starts getting a feel for his, his company. And you can tell there's some boldness and this undercover boss, as he's watching everybody, you can start seeing the wheels turning of what's going to start happening once his bigger purpose is revealed. And somewhere along the line, there's always somebody that kind of figures out what's going on. Like, isn't that, isn't that so-and-so? Is that our CEO of the wig? <laughs> and then out comes the sob story. Oh, if I only, if I only, if I only. And he takes that all into consideration. But the cool thing is, an undercover boss when the week winds down, he has everybody back in for a meeting. And everybody's like, what's going on? He's like, you remember me? <laughs> I don't have all the wig and makeup and all that stuff on. Yeah, the guy you worked with, that was the CEO. And then he starts doing what he needs to do. You know, he promotes this one, sets this one up, starts cleaning house, like you're going. <laughs> this one, you're, you know, he just really starts making it happen. And I think about that with Jesus. Because now, as he came in, riding on that donkey, his purpose 
was finally being unveiled. His true identity. Can we say the boss was in the house? <laughs> he was. And he was getting ready to change some things. You know, one of the first things he does, he goes in and starts calling out the Pharisees. He's like, mm-mm, he's cleaning house. Money changes, get out of here. I mean, Jesus starts setting things, some things right. And he knows that this moment in time is going viral. Let's look in our notes. Matthew chapter 21. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. Now, first we know that he comes from Jericho, about 19 miles away. And as he's coming through and traveling, uh, he's at Bethphage. But before that, the night before, he was in Bethany. And the cool thing is, just the night before that he stayed in Bethany, that's where Martha and Mary and Lazarus live. So the night before Palm Sunday, where they're all like, woohoo! Think about it. He was in the hometown of Lazarus. I mean, he was dead for days, and he started to smell. I mean, Jesus went in there and said, arise, <laughs> and he came back to life. He, you know that would go viral. <laughs> you know that would go all around the world today. But you think about all the miracles that Jesus performed before he even enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Think about all the miracles, all the healings that took place all the times he would call people out, he knew what they were thinking and be able to just speak it out. The feeding of the 5,000 with just a few loaves and fish, I mean, the miracles that go on and on and on. I mean, tomorrow's tax day. I mean, he told the disciples, go out, catch a fish, open its mouth, and there's a coin to pay your taxes. Anybody need to do some fishing today? <laughs> I'll join you. I need to do some fishing. <laughs> Quick, let's get out to that lake, <laughs> see if we can find some fish with some coins in its mouth. But Jesus did all these amazing things. And if you look in our notes, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord has need of them, and he'll send them right away. You know, I don't know. Did Jesus know the owner of these donkeys? He did do ministry in that area. Or was it kind of one of those things where in the name of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he has need of these donkeys? Yes, sir. <laughs> Almost like, could you imagine a police officer saying, hey, we have need of your vehicle. Oh, oh okay, okay, <laughs> go ahead. But Jesus had need of these donkeys. And the cool thing, it was prophetic that he came in on a donkey. Why a donkey? Because it was symbolic of peace. It was symbolic of a peaceful entrance. Because if he came tearing in there on a horse, it might symbolize war. And some people were expecting that. They're expecting the Messiah to come in with this, you know, the stallion declaring a new government and all these new things. Well, that's coming. <laughs> but he came in to make peace. Because someday he will come back on a stallion and it's going to be pretty dramatic. <laughs> it's going to be like, Air Horse One. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> but he came in on a donkey without saying a word. And they say a picture is worth a thousand words. That's kind of what was going on. Like Instagram, you put a picture up there, it says a thousand words. So him simply being on a donkey, riding in, all the people of the culture are like, ah, I know what this means. I know what this means. Messiah is coming. And in this, 
the mother of the donkey was with the donkey and they didn't separate them. That's kind of cool. I think Jesus thought that was awesome. That, I mean, they, mama donkey wanted to be protective. And I thought, I thought about this. I was wondering if there's any symbolism between mother donkey and the, the donkey colt that Jesus was riding on and the fact that Jesus was riding in doing something new and that his heavenly father was near just like that little donkey's mother was near. Or... Was it something of an old allegorical sense of the older mother donkey being symbolic of, I read this in a commentary, that, uh, that it could be symbolic of the old Jewish traditions and the old Jewish rites of the, all the, the rituals and all the, the burdensome of fulfilling the law and how Jesus came in on something new. This donkey colt had never been ridden probably by a person ever before. Jesus was coming in new. And that donkey could be symbolic of uh, the Gentiles, you know, the untamed Gentiles, that Jesus was doing a new thing. And he was getting ready to set everything right. But in this, let's look at our notes in Matthew chapter 21. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. So all the disciples were grabbing their cloaks and began basically making a saddle. For Jesus to put all these things on for him to have, have a good ride. But you look at the verses, it says a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and they put these all over the road. Hence, Palm Sunday. I mean, they're like, woohoo, Hosanna! <laughs> King's in the house! And they laid this down to make a grand red carpet with their cloaks. And there's some things I want to say about that here in a minute to make this grand entrance for Jesus. But it says they took their, their jackets, their cloaks off, and threw them on the ground. And think about it. There was no laundromats back in the day. There was no dry cleaning. There was no stain sticks. There was none of these things. They're like, we'll throw this stuff down. Because they were taking their identity and saying, God, take my identity that you would be lifted up, that you would be honored in this. Now, there's something really important with this cloak analogy that I just absolutely love as I dug into this. Let's go into uh, 1 Kings 19.19. It's not in your notes, but it's where the prophet Elijah took off his cloak, or another word for that is mantle. Took off his cloak or mantle and put it on Elisha, the one he was mentoring. And it's almost like spiritual adoption, like saying, hey, I'm going to train you. I'm going to show you the ropes per se. But later in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8, Elisha had known that Elijah was leaving, but Elijah had stopped at the Jordan River. And this is so cool because we've all heard of the Red Sea parting, right? Now, how about hearing the Jordan parting? It happens a couple times. And what he did, Elijah took his cloak, that mantle, that outer garment, rolled it up. I always want to think if he's going to snap at first. I don't think so, but that's kind of how my mind works. But he rolled up his cloak and what did he do? He struck the water with it. And the water divided from the right and the left, and they crossed over on dry ground. That is amazing. And Elisha saw this, and he, he asked Elijah, his mentor, he's like, I want a double portion of that anointing on your life. I want double of what God can do in my own life, kind of like what I'm seeing in your life. And Elijah's like, oh, you ask a difficult thing. <laughs> but... I'm going to be caught up. You know, Elijah never even died. He was just caught up into heaven. What a better way to go than that. He didn't experience death. That's pretty cool. But he told Elisha, he said, if you see me when I depart, you'll have your wish. You'll have your request. 
But if you don't, oops, sorry. But if you continue on to read, what happens is this vision, and all of a sudden, Elijah is taken up in this whirlwind. And guess what comes floating down? His cloak or his mantle. Could you imagine Elijah? Yes! <laughs> 2 Kings chapter 2 says, Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it, just like he had seen. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided. Again, a divided from the right and the left. And he crossed over. The company of prophets from Jericho were watching, Jericho were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. They've seen it. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Now, this is very symbolic. This, this cloak, this robe, this mantle, it would go down to about ankle length, really long, no sleeves, but it really was symbolic of kind of who they were and like what they stood for, like their station in life. You could see who someone was based on their cloak or their mantle. You know, today it's not as easy to see that unless you're in a specific occupation because everyone just kind of dresses somewhat the same. But they were saying something. Just like if I were to take this, get the play dress up today. All right. No coaching from the audience yet. All right. Okay, I put this on. What am I? Doctor. Doctor. Yeah, there we go. Maybe in bad need of an iron, but uh, yeah, it's pretty obvious. It's like... There's my cloak. Oh, here's another one. This one, I put this one on. Now this one can go either way. Either I'm a choir director or I'm a judge. I was going for judge. <laughs> but you put on a cloak or a tunic or a mantle like this, pretty obvious. Now here's one that no one wants. <sighs> no one wants this one. A zebra, yeah. <laughs> or Juventus sideways, no. <laughs> My son would appreciate that. Um, yeah, no one wants this identity. Maybe you got some things in your life that you feel like it's still just a prison to you. And it's become your identity. Who wants this identity? Maybe you're watching today and you feel like this is your identity. It doesn't have to be your identity. It's your past. We all have a past. And taking this identity off, and you're going to have a chance later in this message to throw off some old identities. Because Jesus paid for all those mistakes that we don't have to be that thing that tries to define us. Kind of like this. No one wants this identity either. Patient. No one wants to be the infirmed one or the sick one. Maybe you've been through some stuff and you're like, I've worn this way too much. Way too much. And you don't want to wear it ever again. Well, I'm praying that you get set free some things today. That these identities that you take off aren't your identity. Here's a fun one. I put this on. Probably already know. And I would be a what? Police officer. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like, oh, okay, that's, that, that's, that's that identity. When you put on your cloak, your tunic, your mantle, it becomes really clear 
who you are, what you stand for, and what you're about. Now here's a fun one. I, I kind of like this one. I put this on a lot. And when I put this one on, I turn into sensei. <laughs> or shihan. I've been teaching martial arts for almost 30, well, 30 years now. I started when I was 19, teaching when I was 19. And this is something that the Lord has shown me that I need to lay down for his sake, that I could teach and enjoy what I do, but it's not just who I am. It's what's inside that counts. I can't tell you how many people I've crossed paths with because of this. Elbows I got to rub with, shoulders I got to hang out with, and people that are needing something more in their life, you know, the warning's on the label. Everybody knows I'm a pastor. And adults, and even kids, but adults, will be like, I'm missing something in my life. And I think you might have the answer, or you might know. But just being in proximity by doing something that people can identify with, you get that message known. So whatever you do today, Whatever your deal, whatever your occupation, whatever your hobby, whatever your fun is, take whatever that is and say, God, I'm laying it down. I'm going to be less of me that you would be magnified. I'm going to take my identity and put that below your identity so you could be lifted up. Because ultimately, it's him that needs to be lifted up. And in that, there's a greater thing that's going on. We're all born in the sin nature and we want to take that sin nature, we love to throw it off, it's almost like that prison outfit. And what Jesus did, we took off that sinful nature and we're like, God, I lay it down. Whatever that thing is, I lay it down. I'm not saying your profession is, but I'm just saying you are sinful nature. And that what he does, Jesus comes along. And he's like, let me, let me pick that up. And like, no, Jesus, don't pick that up. Don't pick, don't, Jesus, don't, don't pick that up. Jesus picks up those things. And Jesus says, I'm going to take these things. And I'm going to take them all the way to the cross. I'm going to pay for your healing and your salvation. Because the greater thing is he walks in, and if you even look in the scripture, it talks about how in that, in Romans 16, 20, that the God of peace, kind of like Jesus on that donkey, will soon crush Satan under his feet. Because when we lay down who we are for who he is, there's a great exchange that happens. There's something that's cool about the garment or the tunic that uh, I want to look at. Basically, the cloak, also known as a mantle. Who's ever heard of, they took on the mantle of CEO. They took on the mantle of, you know, she's now the manager, the uh, mantle of manager or owner. It's a huge deal. So the description and uh, definition here for mantle is responsibilities of an important position or job, especially given from a person who had the job to the person who replaces them. This is, this is amazing because Jesus is saying, take on my mantle, throw off who you are to be more like me. If you look in the Bible at blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus was known as the blind guy. This was, this was his identity. He didn't want that. We knew Jesus was going to heal him. He's like, I don't want that identity. I don't want to be that blind guy. I want this new identity of healed by Jesus. Set free. New beginning through Jesus. So today we will have opportunity for that, of this great exchange. If you look in old covenant ceremonies, 
where there was like a, a, a covenant a ceremony, they would exchange cloaks. They'd be like, you know, if I was going into a covenant with, with Charlie here, I'd be like, okay, here's my coat. And he gives me his coat. And uh, we exchange cloaks. Basically now saying, your enemies are my enemies, and my enemies are your enemies. My mountaintops are your mountaintops, just like your valleys are also my valleys. It's like a family coming together when you exchange these cloaks. And you think about the cloak exchange, that was huge. The other thing that's really cool is Jesus, when he rides in, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, when he comes in through that wall. Do you know what also happened in that eastern wall? In about around the 16th, 17th century, uh, the Turks of the Ottoman Empire had heard the Jews talking about that maybe Elijah was going to come back through that, that eastern gate. You know what they did? The Turks were like, oh, we better seal that thing up. We better seal that up. We don't want them coming in through here. Uh-uh, not on my watch. It's kind of cool, though, because they fulfilled a prophecy in Ezekiel 44 by doing that. The prophecy states that eastern gate would be sealed. The same gate that Jesus rode in, that centuries later, the Turks were like, we need to stop, you know, we need to seal that thing up. And it says that in prophecy, that was going to happen. And that Jesus is going to come riding through after the Mount of Olives. He's going to come riding through that same entrance. So what someone thought they were stopping was fulfilling. So Jesus will come again, and he's going to be in a whole different array. <laughs> Amen? All right, can I get out of count of three a lot? Hosanna, one, two, three. Hosanna! All right, Matthew 21. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They weren't just shouting words. Because check it out, they were fulfilling prophecy too. Because in Psalm chapter 118, verse 24 through 26, it says, the Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord will bless you. I mean, that was all prophetic. All these things were yet to take place. But Jesus knew the end. He knew what was coming. And it's kind of interesting how Jesus kind of went through three phases in ministry. First year was, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Woohoo, Jesus. Year two, by what authority do you do these things? Third year, crucify him. Unfortunately, it's human nature to see someone rise and be so quick to cut him off the knees and go, yeah, look at you now. It's human nature to see that. All the people that were saying, hail him, end up saying, nail him. We see this in our world around us. I mean, whether it be a new boss or new employee or whatever, yay, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, first year. Second year, what authority do they do these things? Third year, crucify him. In the news right now, you'll see uh, some things happening. Who knows who Lori Loughlin is? Aunt Becky from Full House. <laughs> Come on. Now, Aunt Becky from Full House, if you've been following any news, gotten a scandal about tuition and 
college, and not tuition, but college entrance and getting people in. And, you know, everybody loved Aunt Becky from Full House. You know, who would throw rocks at her? Now that they loved her now, then, but now they crucify her. I don't think Aunt Becky would make it in prison. <laughs> who wants to put Aunt Becky in prison? I don't know. <laughs> but Jesus even knew he was going to be betrayed. I mean, how could you contend with that? Riding in with palm branches waving, people throwing their cloaks at the same time going, these same people. He's ended up on the cross. He knew it was going to happen. Psalm 41, 9 says, even my close friend, someone who I trusted, who I shared bread, turned against me. You ever have someone stab you in the back that you didn't see coming? Oh, and they got a good twist in there that you never thought you'd ever have. Jesus knew it was going to happen. He did it anyway. He did it anyway. Even though he knew it by the end of the week that the crucifixion was coming, he knew it was not the end of the story. He knew it was the beginning of the story. They might have thought they stopped a man on a mission, but they did not stop the mission in the man. Because Jesus was on a mission and they couldn't stop it. I'm sure all of hell was like, woohoo, we killed Jesus. And he's like, hmm, thanks for playing right into this. So maybe today you feel like your mission that you were on has been halted or stalled or derailed. Don't give up. Because the mission that God has for you is still there. The mission that he has for you is still in you. No one can take your dream away. No one can take away that purpose that God put in your heart. Sure, some things come against you. Sure, some things really kick you in the teeth. Just make it make you stronger. Make it stronger. Be tougher. Let that thing hammer and forge you into a mighty weapon for his use. Don't take it laying down and going, eh. I guess I'm not going anywhere. God's got plans for each and every one of you. Amen. Doesn't matter where you're at in the spectrum of life, it ain't over. We're still above ground. We're still, we're not in the dirt. <laughs> we still have a purpose. Just like Jesus was fulfilling his ultimate purpose. I want you to look at the back of your notes right now, if you would please. In our Google calendar of the Passion Week, I really want you, if you would please, Use this as a guide or a study this week. Because if this was going down right now in this Google calendar, Jesus' appointment today, Sunday, April 14th, would be, hey, the crowd cheers on my entry into Jerusalem. Woohoo! That's awesome. And then on Monday, he's got business to do. <laughs> because he goes in and starts cleaning house. Jesus is angered by the, by the leader. He angers the leaders and starts throwing out the vendors. And then on Wednesday, he starts to confront the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Not a fun calendar, is it? But he knew this was coming. And he knew there's no stopping. He went viral and this was about to go down. Thursday, Judas was bribed to betray Jesus. I encourage you each week, when you start your day, go, oh, this is the day that that happened. Wow. Then on Thursday, the Last Supper, Judas betrays Jesus. He knew that was coming. So much happened in this week. 
Then on the 19th Friday, Good Friday, Jesus' crucifixion, the chief priests rallied the people to chant, Crucify Him! He knew that was on his slate. The cool thing is a lot can happen in three days. That happened on Friday. Jesus knew that Sunday was coming. He knew that day was coming that he would be risen up from the dead. And for you today, your Sunday is also coming. Maybe you've been knocked down and you're like, I barely feel above ground. God wants to raise you up. Don't make that your identity, your story of what's happened to you. Use it as a launch point for God to grab and lift you up out of that mess that he can have testimony for what he's done. Because greater is he that is in each of you than he that is in the world. You have a hope, not like the world has. So today, as you look at this, and we're going to celebrate, we're going to party on Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday, it's Easter morning. Really purpose to be prayed up this week. Don't let this Passion Week fly by. Be prayerful of, God, who can I bring with me? Who are people that, you've got the answer, everybody. You have what people are looking for. People win millions of dollars. And they're still not happy. You have the answer of true fulfillment, and it's Jesus. So bring somebody. Tell somebody. Share that good news. We're going to pray right now. If everyone could stand up. Just going to pray. And if today you're saying, I don't know, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm not waiting for Easter. This Jesus sounds pretty awesome to me. And I want him in my life. You don't have to figure it all out because he has figured it all out. And it's by asking him into your life. If you just repeat this simple prayer right now, out loud. Dear God, thank you for your son Jesus. Forgive me of my mistakes. Right now, I ask Jesus into my heart and into my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to pray for everyone right now. God, I pray for a boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit that a boldness comes on each and every person, whether they're here today or whether they're listening. Or Father, I just pray that you just infuse and anoint each one of us to be your ambassadors. That God, that person that someone's not sure about, oh, do I ask them? I might offend them. Oh, I think they'll be more offended if they're in hell and you had the good news and didn't tell them. God, that person that maybe today someone's going, oh, but we're good friends. I don't want them to think I'm weird. If you care about them, share the good news. God, I thank you and I praise you that you are going to give each person the words. It's not in our own understanding. It says the Holy Spirit can teach us of all things in that moment. So God, I pray that we leave here with a boldness today, proclaiming the good news, that we will share the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give a loud Hosanna? Hosanna in the highest. One, two, three. Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! God bless you. It's going to be an awesome Sunday next week.